So today's message, Love's Priority, comes out of this first epistle of John, this fourth chapter that Gail so wonderfully read for us. So if you'd like to turn there, uh, that's where our message will come from this morning. So I'm a child of the 60s, kind of really cognizant of what was going on in the 70s. And uh, in the early 70s, actually I was born in the 50s, but yeah, forgot about that part. Um, anyway, uh, a big saying in that time, when, and some of you will remember it, was that you can only love someone when you first learn to love yourself. Or you can only love because you love yourself first, was another way of saying it. I want to tell you something. That's kind of filtered down over the generations in several different ways and in several different things. And I want to, I want to just be truthful with you. That's from hell. It smells like smoke. The, the real challenge is, is you don't know how to love yourself. And neither do I. Because there's a, there's a reason for that. Because in and of ourselves, intrinsically, we do not know what love is. We have to be taught what love looks like. We have to be shown and have to, it has to be displayed to us for us to grasp what does it look like to be loved. Once that happens... Once we understand what it looks like, what it feels like to be loved, we begin to become loving beings. When we're born, we have a self-love. Where's food? And I got dirty diapers. Those are our two priorities. Interestingly enough, I guess as we get older, we have the same problem. I want to make sure you're awake. But think about it for a moment with me. Isn't it the truth? How does a child learn what it is to love someone until it's first displayed what love looks like to the child? And think about it. Children who have not had love, children who do not know what functional love is, but only know dysfunctional love, what do they learn to do? Love dysfunctionally. And dysfunction operates in every single household. So even if you're in a home, like my home, I, I knew love pretty well in my home, but it was still a dysfunctional love. So there's parts of me that still love dysfunctionally. But as we talked about last week, we have a real challenge, don't we? Love is centric to the gospel. Love is the connective tissue between God and me. And if I don't know what real love looks like, and if I don't know what real looks like, love looks like in the way that I show real love, you remember what we led, read last week? then I don't know God. It's critical that I know what it means to pursue the priority of love 
which is loving others. It was God's priority to love others. And for me to know what love looks like, I have to know what it means to be loved. And for me to be loved means I have to display love. I want to give you a truth this morning. Love is at the epicenter of the gospel. And without a growing affection for God and for others, our experience of the gospel is muted. Love is at the epicenter of the cosmic quake called the gospel. And I must be growing in my affections for God and my affections for others for me to experience the fullness of the gospel. And that's what John is saying to us this morning. In these words that if others are not loving others is not our priority the way that God, His priority was to love us, then our experience of Him in our own relationship is damaged. It's muted. It's God's priority to be others seeking with His love. When we look at verse 7 through 10, we see it. He says, Beloved, John gives us this command, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love, and in His love it was made manifest to us that He sent His only Son into the world. Why did Jesus come? Well, Jesus came because God so loved you. You see, it was God's priority to love you and to love me. It was God's heart to make you to be loved. If you think about it, every single one of us, the deepest craving of our heart, the deepest need of our heart, to be loved. We seek after it all the time. We seek after it in the way that we behave, in the way that we act, in the way that we dress, in the words that we say. Every part of us craves to be loved. Think for a moment, where does that craving come from? It comes from the way that your Creator made you to be a receptacle of His love. You and I were created for a place in our heart that is to be the dumping spot for the love of God. We forget that. We don't make that our priority. And so what happens is is we seek love in so many other different ways. We seek to love ourselves first. Where, where could that come from? Well, the only place that me, trying to love me first, comes from me not feeling loved. Therefore, I must try to provide my own love by my own definitions of what love looks like. That's a scary thought, especially when I don't really know what love is. 
or if I've been taught what love is from someone who doesn't know what love is. Or I might look for it in being with this special group of people, that if I can just get in that crowd, that crowd will love me. They will make me feel significant. They will make me feel like I'm important. Of course, until I do something that goes against the crowd, and then I'll find out how shallow that love really is. I know. I'll love things. So if I can just get the right things in life, those things will make me know what love is. And if I can get enough things, guess what? Everyone else will love me too. Because I'll have all the things that they want to have and everybody's a lover of things and if I've got the most things, then everybody will love me. I know one of the issues of me loving is I love food. I think food is fantastic. Especially good food. We're having a covered dish supper at church. I love that. I think that's great. But if food is where I find my comfort, if food is where I find something that loves me, well, then all of a sudden I have an eating disorder. Or maybe it's a bottle or a computer. Or maybe it's just power. You see, when we ignore the love that God has for us, it leads us in all sorts of dysfunctional places. It leads us into empty roads, into empty vessels. And what you and I must recall, what we must remember, what we must repent to, is that God sent His Son so that we might know something. And that something is that you and I might know that God loves you. And that you are His priority. That He was other-focused with His love. other focused so much that he was willing for his son to die that you might know he loves you. It was God's priority to be so others focused that not only would his son die for you so that you might become lovable, but he captured you to make you his bride, to make you his You see, Jesus didn't just die to take your sins away. He died to claim you. So that he might, as John says earlier, lavish you, bathe you, immerse you in his love. God is so other-focused in His love that He gave us His Son to display what that love looks like, to make us receptors of that love so that we might know what love is. Not that we might be vaults of that love, 
but that we would be vessels of that love. But look with me, because a response to that love is required. Look at verse 11. Beloved, since you are now understanding that that's who you are, the beloved, John addresses you as such. And he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. You see, God's love doesn't come without a price. God's love doesn't come so unconditional. There is a response to being loved, and that's becoming a lover of others. If God so loved us, beloved, then we ought to love one another. You see how they're connected? They can't be separated. You cannot receive love from God, which is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, and not have it overflow out of your heart to give to others. Because if it's not coming out of you in an overflowing measure, you have to wonder, is it really a love from God? And there's where we can begin to evaluate the difference. Do I have a love for the things of God, or do I really know what it means to be intimate and loved by God? Because the difference is critical. The difference is a matter of life and death. The difference is knowing, being known by God, and not being known by God. Remember we talked about that last week? We talked about where Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. You did a lot of good things. You did a lot of stuff that people looked at and went, that was really good. You look good as a Christian. You look good doing that God stuff. And yet Jesus says, I didn't know you. What a frightening ordeal. Unless... I'm beginning to understand how deeply Jesus loves me. And the response to that is an overflowing measure of being a spilt out vessel because the love is continual and always flowing and always coming out so that I I overflow with the love of God. And since the love of God is overflowing for others, it's overflowing out of our lives for others as well. You see, the love that you and I give must match in characteristics the love that God gives to us. The love that you and I give must match in characteristics the love that God is giving to us. It won't always be perfect. Is coming through a vessel that still has sin. But the characteristics of it, the basics of it, will look like the love that God is giving me. Why would Jesus tell us things like, take up your cross and follow me? No greater love is a man than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. And of course, Jesus is speaking of himself there, but he's also teaching us a lesson That we too must lay down our lives, our conveniences, our priorities, so that we may love other people. Because a response is required. 
Why? Point number two. Not only is it God's priority to be love-seeking with others, but it's God's design for us to be receivers, returners, and relators of love. The gospel cycle is only complete when all the elements of love are present. Look at verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Back to 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. You see the cycle? That God loved you, that you're a receiver of this love, and He deposits this love in us so that we can return it to Him. That in loving Him, He continues to love us. But we must take that love and send it out to others. Because in the way that God loves us, and we love God, and we send it out to others, that's when love is completed and perfected. And any one of those elements that are missing, that love becomes something it was never intended to be about me and me alone. Yes, God made you and He loved you and I so that we might be in relationship with Him, but He also made us together so that we would take that love and be in relationship with each other. And without any of those elements fitting together, then it's incomplete according to Scripture. That it's not perfected. Love is an expression of one's security in God's love for them. To be able to love others means first, I must be secure in the love that God has for me. It's not so much that I need to learn to love myself before I can love others. It's that I must learn that God loves me so that I can take that love and love others with it. Look with me at 13 and 16. By this we know that we abide in Him and Him in us because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. So that if we confess Jesus is God and God abides in Him and He in God... So we have come to know and believe that the love God has for us. You see, talking about being secure, that you and I believe that God loves us. And it abides in us. And we in God. And God abides in Him. It is an expression that I know, that I know, that I know God loves me. And I express it. Christian, let me ask you. How could you be loved so much and not be able to express it? Or refuse to express it? How hungry were you when He found you? How desperate for love were you when He found you? 
How empty was your heart when He filled it with His love? If you were a beggar and you were starving and you found an unlimited source of bread that could never run out and you could never eat it all and you had this person who said, I'll provide you and everyone you know bread forever. I'm a bread factory. And you said, no, I'm not telling anybody. I don't think so. I think most of you would go, hey, dude, dudettes, I found bread. All the bread you could ever eat. All the bread you could ever want. There's bread galore. There's bread coming out every every window in every city. I found the city of bread. Come and eat. You found something much greater than bread. You have found the love of God for you. And there are many other beggars out there wondering, can I ever be loved? If you're secure in knowing that the bread will never run out, if you're secure in knowing that that bread will never go away, then you will be secure enough to say, come, I have found it. Come, break bread with me. Not only does God seek others, and not only does God design for us to be receivers and returners and relators of His love, but it's God's will that we should be free to be others seeking with our love. Love is our eternal security. Verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You see what the Word is saying here? You don't have to be afraid of God. He's taken care of it. His love for you has wiped the slate clean. His love for you has paid every debt. His love for you has taken every inadequacy that you and I might have and filled it and made it complete. His love for you has washed the stain off of you. His love for you has taken away every slur, every gossiping word that was ever said about you. His love has taken away every single negative thought you've ever had about yourself and every negative verbal expression you've ever made about yourself. His love for you has wiped it clean and taken it away. His love for you has made you His bride. His love for you has made you perfect. His love for you has made you with dignity. His love for you has made you secure. His love for you took your punishment on His own back. His love for you has set you as His very own. His love for you makes you His forever and ever and ever. Amen. 
That's something to clap over, yeah. How could he ever love you and I in such a way? To love you and I in such a fullness. To love you and I with such completeness that we would have to fear that he would ever lose that love for us and cast us away. When John is talking about perfect love, cast out fear, he's not talking about respect and the awe of who God is. He's talking about an inappropriate fear that God has a hammer behind his back that he's going to hit you with at the last moment. The hammer has been put away. The punishment was put away at Calvary. Every lash that Jesus received was the lash you were supposed to. Not one was held back. Every inch of the nail that was piercing through his flesh was meant for you and I. Not one inch was held back. Every hour upon that wretched cross that was spent was spent there for you and I that we were supposed to spend it there. Not one hour was held back. It was complete. It was finished. And so that the love of God compels us to come to the throne of judgment in security and in joy to receive the reward that is ours of Christ Jesus, of being His forever. You see, to be loved by God means that you and I have eternal security. Why? Because His love is eternal towards us. We think, oh, God's love for me waxes and wanes the way mine does about others because others either insult me or they they do something good for me or they do something nice for me. So therefore, my love either increases or it decreases based upon the actions of other people. God's love is not like that. His love is dependent upon you because He depended upon what Christ did for you on your behalf. So His love for you and I never waxes. It never wanes. It's always fervent. It's always red hot. It's always coming down upon you and I. And it's in that we find eternal security and the freedom. The freedom to receive love unencumbered and to give love unrestricted. Where do we find this power to love? Well, it's found in the love that God has for you. Verse 19 and 20, he says, If we love because God first loved us, where do I find the ability to love? I find it in that God first loved me. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. If anyone says that he loves God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must, must also love his brothers. You see, love is the epicenter of the gospel. 
And it must be completed by receiving it, returning it, and relating it to other people. If we do not do that, God, through His Word, says we're living lives of lies. We're living in a house of cards. The things that are our priorities as Christians must change. And our first love must be the love of God. And the way that He loves us. So that our second priority is the way that we love other people. What burns you out about serving? What burns me out about serving? Is it not when I'm serving for some other reason than the joy of serving Jesus? I find when I'm burned out about doing things or sacrificing or making room in my calendar to do things that God has asked me to do, I find I get burned out of those things quickly because I'm doing them from the wrong motivations. I'm doing them, maybe someone else will see and notice and say, good job, I'm a clanging cymbal. A noisy gong. Or maybe I'm doing them because I feel guilty. Then it's worth nothing. Or maybe I'm doing it because I don't really believe God loves me and therefore I need to do something to make God love me. It's just faith without works. But if I do things because I see the things that God has done for me and I'm so enthralled by them, I'm so joyful about what He's done for me, I can't contain it. Burnout's never an issue. What am I to do? What are, what are we to do to begin to, to know this kind of love? I'm just going to give you one thing. Begin to ask to experience God's love for you. Go home today. Tell God, I need to know you love me. I need to know how much you love me. And then tomorrow morning, wake up and say the same prayer. Lord, I need to know that you love me. I need to know how much you love me. Show me the depths of your love for me. And do it another day. And another day. Do it every day. I want to tell you something. I don't know many days in my life that goes by that I don't fall on my knees and say, God, show me how much you love me. Because I need to know. I forget so quickly. Do you know how much He loves me? He shows me amazing grace to say, I know, I know, son, you forget a lot. But i got a good memory. I remember I love you. And I'll, I'll be happy to show you again. That same grace is there for you. You don't have to be afraid. Fall on your knees every hour if you must and say, God, I need to know. I need to know how much you love me. But here's the key. God, show me how much you love me. And let me go love others with it.
Don't let me just spend it all on myself. Show me how much you love me so that I may go love others. Make me a receiver of your love, O oh God, so that you and I are in relationship and I understand it, I experience it. And then let me relate it. I'm always amazed how fast we can run when we run for the pleasure of running. I'm always amazed at how hard we can work when work is a pleasure. I'm always amazed at how much we can love when we realize how much we're loved. For God so loved you, He gave His Son that you would know forever how much you've been loved. Now, if you want to experience it, go love someone else the same way. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, and we, again, God, along with me, I know there's several others that come before you this morning to say, Lord, I need to know you love me. Show me how deep you love me. I forget so easily and so quickly. Help me recall. Help me see it, O oh God. You are so good. Amen.